Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, a little more serious, on a serious side of things, we want to open up in prayer. And uh, there's a, a number of things in our nation that we need to be mindful of. Uh, uh, we want to pray uh, for the school year that's beginning. College is starting tomorrow. Actually, is it tomorrow? Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay, Tuesday. Okay. They have off tomorrow? Yes. It's a holiday. Labor do, Day. Do we take those? Okay, yeah, we Yes. Uh, <laughs> this year we will. I almost forgot about it. Anyway, we want to pray for the school year, for the students, the teachers, uh, so that this will be a school year that will be meaningful and impactful in the lives of, of students and children. We also want to uh, lift up the uh, shooting rampage in Texas. Just pray for those victims and victims' uh, families that have suffered uh, this uh, tragedy. And, and uh, we need to continue to be mindful and prayer of, of what's happening in our nation along those lines. Uh, there's so much heartache and heartbreak. And when we see this happening, it's really a call to seek God and pray. And also, we want to lift up the uh, hurricane situation. It is actually Hurricane Dorian has been strengthened to a Category 5 storm. And uh, so we want to be prayerful concerning that, just safety protection, and that that storm will just kind of dissipate and and blow off into the Atlantic Ocean somewhere and not cause uh, damage and destruction in this pathway. And also, we want to lift up Becky Clavine and her family, her mom passed away this past week, and Becky is a, has been a member of Refuge for many years, and uh, we stand with her new family, and um, then also Mallory and Brandy are here with us. We want to pray. Uh, they lost their son uh, uh, through a miscarriage uh, recently. We just want to uh, be mindful of them in prayer. So if you as let's stand together as a church and let's join our faith together uh, before we get into the Word, before we share this message that we have for you today. Heavenly Father, you, we're grateful that as a body of believers, we can stand together yes, God. and we can join our faith. And Father, we look to you for this new school year that is beginning. Father, for every student, for every child, for every instructor, for every professor, every teacher. Father, for every school and school systems in our community. Father, we just pray for your protective hedge of covering. We pray that you anoint and equip teachers in their role, Father, in their assignment to instruct children. Father, we pray for your hand of blessing upon Stevens Point Christian Academy right here, the teaching staff and students, and Father, the school system, the Stevens Point School District, and and the UWSB system, and Mid-State, Lord God. We just thank you for these institutions that are committed to educating and training, Father, people to serve, Father, a greater purpose for their lives in Jesus' name. And, Father, we do uh, pray for those that have suffered uh, in this recent rampage shooting in Texas, Lord, that you would cause, Father, strength to arise in the hearts of those that are suffering from great loss, those that have been injured, Father, we pray that you intervene, that that which the enemy has meant for evil, Father, you will come to minister health and healing in people's lives. 
in Jesus' name. And Father, we, we pray against this storm that's strengthening. Father, we pray against this hurricane that would cause destruction and damage. Father, even as Jesus spoke to the storm, Father, we speak to Hurricane Dorian. And we command it, Father, to move in a place where it will not destroy lives, destroy property, and harm people in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And, Father, we lift up Becky and her family. We thank you for the peace and the comfort that you give when we suffer the loss of a loved one. Father, in the passing of her mom, we thank you that you are her comfort and strength. And, Father, we pray for Randy and Mallory and Owen that you would strengthen their heart and their family. Father, in their recent loss of, of George, in Jesus' name, we give you praise. Thank you, God. And, Father, we thank you now for the ministry of your word as, as Deb and I share about the power of testimony and looking at what you can do in our lives. In Jesus' name, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Amen. 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 Well, you may be seated. You know, and testimony is a really powerful thing because a testimony is really how we live our life out. And nobody can live out your testimony in your life but you. And I love the water baptism testimony that we saw with Adam. And, you know, Adam has been at the church here for about 25-ish years. And so we saw Adam as a teenager and growing up and having struggles and coming back to God and, and then jumps, you know, jumping ahead and having this awesome time and then falling back again and you know, there's probably several of us sitting in this room that have had those same kinds of stories. But isn't it awesome to see where he is today? You know, he's one of our guitar players on our, our worship band. You know, how exciting is that to see what God can do? So we, um, you know, family is something that's really important to us here at Refuge. And the people sitting next to you are people maybe you don't know, maybe you do know. But you can get to know, and that becomes part of your extended family. You know, we also have some exciting news to share. We are grandparents again for the fifth time. Yay. <laughs> and I think we might have a little picture here. Aw. There is Crew. Crew Everest. Our little Roman grandson, who's two and a half, calls him Cruz. But he's crew. Look at that. He's praying already. <laughs> and so the Schultzes are here. Great, great grandpa. Great, proud grandma. great grandpa and grandma. <laughs> and so that's their first with Bob and Lori Schultz. And Bob and Lori are our members here at Refuge, too. So that's exciting. But um, water baptism, I was sharing, and I got off track, but water baptism, we're having another one September 22nd, and so that's a Sunday morning. We encourage you, if you want to sign up to be part of that, sign up at the Welcome Center or on our website. And really, water baptism is going public with your faith. It's a step of faith and obedience to a clear instruction and command that we see from Jesus himself, and so it's, it's really something, if you really are serious about being a Christ follower, 
it's a step of obedience you need to take. And if you haven't done so, maybe you were baptized as an infant, but you don't, you don't remember that. I don't know why you wouldn't remember that. But if not, I'm not trying to make light of it, but it wasn't your decision. Your parents made that decision for you. But now based on your decision, making that step is very significant and important. All right. Well, we are beginning this new series, and this new series is Look What God Can Do. And really, it's about personal testimony and the testimony of individuals like you and ourselves and how uh, God has moved in our life in a very significant way. And so this month, you're going to hear from different people and their testimonies of what God's done in their life. And I want you to turn to a passage we see in Revelation 12, 10, 11, and uh, the, the, the tag that you saw before uh, This scripture was quoted, but we understand that a testimony carries within it a certain power. The power of a testimony is your witness. It's something you experience. To witness something is to experience it firsthand. It's a firsthand encounter that you testify or give testimony to. And so Revelation 12, and we'll read verses 10 and 11. And uh, this is John, who was getting this revelation from Jesus Christ, who wrote the book of Revelation. He makes this statement. He said, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. And that's in reference to Satan or Lucifer or the devil has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And, and we know the devil is trying to accuse every one of us, point out your faults, make you feel inferior to God, and trying to get you to think that God's mad at you because whatever, you know. Uh, verse 11, this is a, a key passage here, this particular verse. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives, even unto death. And so we see very clearly from this passage that through the blood of Jesus that was shed for us when we put our faith in him, and through the very word of our testimony, that we become conquerors. We can walk and step into a victorious life based on the testimony of what God has done for us. A testimony is a witness, and your life is a witness. And as believers, we are living witnesses of Jesus Christ. Simply, we're testifying to what he has done and what he's doing in our life. And so, and, and, I, and I believe that we really haven't fully recognized the power of our personal testimony and the difference it can make in someone else's life. And so many times we're afraid to speak up. We're afraid to share what God's done in us because we're fearful of rejection or people not wanting, you know, to to hang with us or whatever. But uh, to define testimony, I'm going to let Deb share that. So a testimony, according to Miriam Webster, is a firsthand authentication of a fact. It's an evidence. It's an outward sign, an open acknowledgement, a public profession of a religious experience. 
And so, again, knowing what is our testimony, what is what we're living out every day, does it line up with what God's word says that a relationship with Jesus Christ should look like? And as I mentioned, a testimony is a witness. And and so to define the word witness, witness is to attest to a fact or to an event. And it is a testimony. So testimony is in the definition of a witness. Uh, it's also defined as one that gives evidence, one who has personal knowledge of something, something serving as evidence or proof. It could be a sign. And it's also defined as a uh, public affirmation by word or by example, uh, usually of religious faith or conviction. And so we see that within Webster's definition as well uh, for the wit- word witness. Now, one of the things that I think is important as I was studying and looking through the word, I like when I study the Bible, I use Bible Gateway. And if you put a word in the search engine, it will bring up every verse in the Bible with that particular word. So I I put the word testimony in there. And something I saw, and I was amazed, uh, the multiple times I saw the phrase, Ark of the Testimony. Ark of the Testimony. And if you do that, you see that too, then you might ask the question, well, what is the Ark of the Testimony? Well, the Ark of the Testimony is also referred to as the Ark of the Covenant. And Anybody see Raiders of the Lost Ark? Uh, Tim had a nice clip for us last week on that one. Um, but the Ark of the Covenant is also called the Ark of the Testament. And it was simply a box that was overlaid with gold inside and out, and within that box was kept the, the tablets, the two of the Ten Commandments. Those two tablets were kept there with the law of God written and inscribed in those tablets. Also, there was a jar of manna, the food that the children of Israel ate in the wilderness. And then the third thing that was in there was the staff of Aaron, who was the high priest. And also, he was Moses' brother. And that particular staff grew out a bud, it budded, which was a sign that he was the one appointed to be the high priest in that time. And so the Ark of the Covenant was kept in what was called the tabernacle. In in the wilderness, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness on their journey from Egypt to the promised land, uh, they the tabernacle was a tent that housed the Ark of the Testimony. And so that When they arrived in the promised land in the city of Jerusalem, the Ark of the Testimony was put in the temple that Solomon built. But guess what? The Ark of the Testimony in the New Covenant is within the believer. Because the Ark of the Testimony represents the the presence of God that we carry. The presence of God in the Old Testament was kept in the, the Ark of the Testimony, that little box that was in the is this, are you still with me? Am I losing anybody? I mean, I'm, I'm giving you a real deep teaching this morning in a way that hopefully you can grasp it. But bottom line is, the arc of the testimony is now God's presence in us that we carry. So we have a testimony that we carry that can bring God's presence on the scene that can impact someone else's life, okay? So when you talk about a testimony, God's presence, 
When do you think that you first sensed that there was a presence of God, that God even existed, that there was such a thing? That's a great question, honey. And uh, <laughs> she, actually, she actually came up with that. I thought, that's a good question. And it really caused me to think and to ponder. And I, I thought of a few things. But something that really stands out is this time when I was a child being raised in a dairy farm. I, I grew up in Junction City, about 11 miles west of Stevens Point. If you go on Double H, uh, you don't turn right to get on 34. You keep going straight, and you'll come to a big metropolis of Junction City. You turn right, and there's... North Limit Road, you turn on North Limit Road, it turns into Malik Road. I have a road named after me, look at that. Okay, you have to go there. I, I might even be able to show you a picture of the sign. Anyway, uh, growing up on that farm, we had a garden, and my mom actually uh, taught me how to plant the garden. And I can remember in the garden one day pulling weeds. All of my brothers hated that job. <laughs> David, where are you? That's you know, he, and, and and one of my brothers, he he thought he was doing a, a good job, but he would throw dirt and stones and fill up his bucket quicker than anyone else. And we'd look at him. How did you get that road done so fast? But anyway, one day I was in the garden picking weeds, and I I just started to realize that there was someone that made all this, and and I had this encounter, and I don't even know how old I was, maybe I was seven or eight years old at the time, but I can remember sensing the presence of God in that garden, and my heart cried, wanting to know more about the God who created this little seed, this plant that's growing, and wondering why he put weeds in here that I had to pull. You know, you have all those questions. Why weeds? Why all this? Well, the weeds are a result of the fall, you know, that, and all that. But anyway, that was my first encounter, and um, so... So for me, I probably wasn't that aware of things like that, at least that I can remember. And my first encounter that I can remember thinking, there must really be something to this God stuff, is I had grown up in the Catholic Church and went to Catholic grade school through eighth grade. And then after that, we didn't have a Catholic high school in our little community I probably would have attended that, but attended a public school. So we had Wednesday night CCD, which was our Wednesday night, kind of our youth group, but it was a classroom setting, so it wasn't, wasn't really as cool as the Wednesday nights here at Refuge. <laughs> Shameless plug, you know. <laughs> but anyway, I had a teacher, and the teacher was... Um, you know, we just go every Wednesday night was our CCD. And one Wednesday night we came in and she had a Bible with her. And I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. She's got her Bible at CCD, <laughs> which you would think she would have her Bible. But that was odd. She never brought her Bible before. And so she had her Bible and she opened it up and she started talking and she started crying. And she started apologizing to us. And she just said, I am so sorry. I haven't told you about Jesus. I experienced Jesus this weekend. And, and all these months that you've been coming to CCD, I've been giving you nothing. But I've encountered a relationship 
with a living God. And so she apologized to us for not really sharing that. But how could she share something with us that she'd never known? And so that for me was like, okay, so like there really is this God thing. And she's, she was pretty young. She was like right out of high school. And so she experienced God like I thought that was old ladies sitting in their house knitting <laughs> who had nothing better to do but open a Bible, right? <laughs> but that for me was a realization that there must be something to this because her life was affected. So if her life is affected, what am I doing with my life? And so that was my first encounter. And so from then... You know, I, I was aware of God. He made himself more aware in my life. I had um, a great-grandma, great-grandpa. I was actually born two months after my parents were married. And so in that day and age, like, that was a pretty big deal. And I had grandparents that, great-grandparents that I didn't know who they were at all. We went to the same church. And they would come in church every Sunday, and they would sit in the very front, you know, first or second row, and were well-known in our church community. And then every Sunday, they'd walk back out, and we would sit in the back couple rows because we had a whole lineup of kids in our family. So, you know, the kids, to keep them quiet, you sat in the back. <laughs> um, so, but I would see them walk in and out. And one day, I remember saying to my mom, like, who are those people? Like, aren't they our grandparents or something? And, and it was because they had disowned my mom and dad because I was born. And, you know, when I think about that, and I think God's hand was on my life from before I was formed in my mother's womb. And so that was a whole 180 turnaround. When my grandmother was in her 90s, she was at home and needed somebody to care for her. And I was in between jobs at that time. And guess who cared for her? So God turned that whole thing around. We had an amazing relationship. But I was the person that, that she wouldn't talk to my parents because of me. And she even gave me her engagement ring. And, like, we just had an amazing relationship. But that's redemption. That's redeeming. That's turning things around. And look at what God did there. <laughs> well, I had a nun that would come and visit during that time, and she would give my grandma communion, you know. So, And then one day she talked to me, and she's like, you know, Deb, there's really something special about you, the way you care for your grandmother like you do. And have you ever thought about pursuing a calling and becoming a nun? I'm like, oh, my gosh. She had no clue who she was talking to because... My lifestyle at that time, like, the nun was on that wall, and I was on that wall, <laughs> far from looking like a nun at all. And yet I had a caring heart. You know, I had a loving heart. I loved my grandma. But I was a partier. Like, my lifestyle was partying. If there was a party to be found, I was going to be at it. And if there wasn't one, I was going to have one so that we had one to go to. <laughs> Um, but, you know, even that nun, the Lord used in my life to be like, okay, what am, what am I doing with my life? And so at that time, 
I lied to the nun. I'm sorry, guys, but I did because I'm like, there's no way I'm going to a convent thing, you know, for because uh, <laughs> it was a weekend long thing, you know, that you had to go to the convent and then they were going to talk to you about being a nun. And I'm like, there's no way I can't do that. So I, I told the nun that I had a babysitting job that weekend, but I didn't. I just couldn't go to the convent. <laughs> so, <laughs> so instead, I married a pastor, you know, hey. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad none of this, right? No, none of that. Yeah, right. none of that. Right? Okay. Actually, got to throw in the dad joke. Yeah, actually, she kicked the habit. No. Well, she really did. So, so take all that, and then one day I was working here in Stevens Point. I was working actually at the county clerk's office, and there was a temporary a gal that had started working there temporarily and when she was working um, she would tell me about Jesus and she would tell me about this church she went to and and how you know it wasn't like a normal church and I'm like so what does that mean and she said you know like people really like with the music they raise their hands and and I'm like and like do they shout out like you know, like those TV shows that you see. And, and she goes, yeah, it's like that. And some get more excited than other ones. And I'm like, there is no way you ever catch me in that place. <laughs> um, but she was such a loving person, such a caring person, that I thought, I really like what she has and who she is. And, and then I had a friend who was going through a drug and rehab period in his life. And um, he... I helped his wife out. They had three little children and helped his wife out. And, and so while he was going through that, I would go and, and help her. And, and she invited some people over that she worked with who told her about Jesus and wanted to talk to her about the Lord and help her through that season in her life. And, you know, I'm listening to these people, and, and they're telling her that we can know when we die that we're going to heaven. I'm like, those people are crazy. There is no way you can know. Like, it's if you're good enough. Like, if I do enough good things and, like, at the end of the day, there's a tally sheet. And if I have enough good stuff, I'm going to heaven. If not, I don't know what's going to happen. I think then I thought limbo or something like that. Purgatory. Purgatory. So that was kind of where you hung out until there were enough prayers said for you. And then you could go to heaven after that. So that's, that's what I thought. That was the truth that I knew. And so when these people started saying that you can know that you're going to heaven, I was like, well, I think you're crazy, but if you're not, like, I want to know that. And then I worked with some people at another job that I had. I was a CNA at the Portage County home. And these people would give me little, like, okay, remember my party lifestyle? So they would give me little tracks, they're called, and they would be gospel messages, you know, like, why you need Jesus because you're an alcoholic? Like, nothing subtle at all, right? <laughs> you know? and, and then, of course, I did not like those people because <laughs> they were calling me an alcoholic, and all I like to do is drink and have fun on the weekends, you know? <laughs> and yet you know, is that what was going on in my life? And so I thought that year, I thought, I'm going to stop drinking for Lent. 
not because I ever went to church, <laughs> but I wanted to see if I could do it. And at that time in my life, I also did drugs. You know, drugs were part of my lifestyle. And so um, I would rather smoke pot than drink. Like, like, really, I woke up in the morning and thought, where am I going to get my pot today? Maybe my friend has some. Maybe, like, that was my lifestyle. You can't believe that, can you? <laughs> Come on, you can't believe that, can you? <laughs> Pastor's wife. <laughs> I had to add some spice to his life, right? Right. <laughs> but can't um, believe I married a podium. But, you know. A what? A podium. Oh well, I thought he said something else. I was like what? <laughs> Past podium. Well, I still party. It's just in a different way. <laughs> but. Um, but, you know, again, at that time in my life, I wasn't being fulfilled by that bottle I was drinking, by that pot I was smoking, no matter how good it was. <laughs> it wasn't filling that big hole that I had in my heart. And there was nothing that could fill that until I met Jesus Christ. And, you know, when we talk about being in awe of the one true living God, I am so in awe at what he has done in my life. You know, when we joke around about me being a pastor's wife, honestly, I have met friends or run into friends of mine from years ago, and they'll say, I cannot believe you married a pastor. And because I was that far away from God, that was my testimony at that time. But my life has changed. I cannot imagine living the life I lived before, because it's so far from me. Honestly, that person is dead. That person no longer exists. That's why people are so amazed, like, you, what? Because she doesn't exist anymore. And that doesn't mean I have a perfect life, because I don't. <laughs> there are challenges. I mean, look who I'm here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> He's amazing. He's am we are amazing. That's why we can joke, right? Because if I was serious, we couldn't joke about that. <laughs> but eternal value is huge. And when I got to a place where my eternity is like right in front of me, if I walked out those doors today, do I know that when I die, I'm going to heaven? And there's not a doubt in my mind. I know that when I die, I'm going to heaven. And I know that I'll get to see my mom. <laughs> you know, I'll get to see all these people that have gone before me. And that gives me hope. So and why that, do you know that, Deb? Well, I know that because I asked Jesus into my heart to be the Lord of my life. I asked him to change me. And when I asked God for those things, he gave that to me. But you know what? After that, it was a choice. And I had to make decisions and they weren't easy. Like, I lost, you know, remember all those party friends I had? <laughs> well, they weren't exactly following me by the truckloads, <laughs> you know? Like, they, they were like, what happened to her? Like, she fell off the deep end. <laughs> and I kind of did, you know, but <laughs> in a good way. But for me, the sphere of influence that I had had to be different. I couldn't hang around with the party people anymore 
if I wanted my life to be different. But that didn't mean I wasn't around them. I wasn't friends. I just didn't make the same choices and decisions that they did. And out of my group of friends, like I played softball and volleyball and all that kind of stuff, and out of that group of probably about six or eight friends, there was only one of them that over a course of six months didn't receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior because I was living a life that was radically different than the life I lived at one time. And so when people ask me questions like, like the alcohol questions. For me, I can't go back to that lifestyle because for me, it messed me up. <laughs> and so for me, I, I didn't want that to be part of my future. You know, this whole legalizing marijuana thing, even though that was my drug of choice, <laughs> I'm not into legalizing marijuana because I know what it leads to because I live that life. <laughs> and that's the part of a testimony a testimony, like it's evidence, it's experience. Nobody can take that from me because I know the difference. And so when I look at each one of you, I know that each one of you have a life that is a testimony. So you're speaking volumes to the people around you one way or another. You're leading them closer to Christ. You're helping them question who Jesus is in a good way. Or you're making decisions that are like, hmm. So they say they go to refuge, to church, and like, this is happening? You know, they're always fighting with their family members. Like, all this stuff is always going on, and, and Jesus is the Lord of their life. You know, it's not just in those external things. It's in our hearts. What's changing on the inside of us that makes us different from before we knew Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus calls us his witnesses. To witness is to be a testimony of what God has done. And I, I think that's what Deb is sharing here today. So then, you know, I think of, Matt, you talk about your influences and, and really what was the addiction in your life? Um, well, I have to say this, and I'm not going to take a lot of time. I really, really felt it was important for you to hear Pastor Deb's testimony because you've heard mine over the course of time. I share bits and pieces here and there through my regular ministry in this pulpit. But I thought it, giving her more time was important. And so for me, um, I guess the thing that made a difference that brought me to Jesus was the difference between a religion and a relationship. Because I was very religious. I, mean, I was a good kid. I didn't do drugs. I didn't do that. And you might say, well, then you don't have a testimony. Well, my testimony is God kept me from that stuff. That's and right. I'm thankful for Amen. that. And I don't have to be in the trenches with those that are bound in that to have that experience to say, now I know what you feel because Jesus lives in me and he's touched by the feelings of others' infirmities. So I can still have compassion for people that are in those places, but I don't have to participate in it. And, yeah. But anyway, uh, for me... 
The issue in my life was insecurity. That was my drug. I was a very insecure person. And, 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 and really, insecurity is the uncertainty or the anxiety about oneself. I had a poor self-esteem. Even though my mom tried to build me up, I would tear myself down with my own words. I mean, I, I thought I was ugly. I thought I was stupid. I thought I was not good enough. I had a brother that my dad favored, and he could do everything right. It seemed like I did everything wrong. I, I just didn't measure up. Even though I was a good kid, I was very insecure. And that insecure caused anxiety to take over my life, worry to take over my life, and lack of confidence, poor self-esteem took over my life. And those were invading forces that were trying to destroy the image of God in me and the calling of God that was upon my life. And so what God set me from was being insecure. And I've now found my, my security in Christ, my identity in him. See, I, I live according to a new reality right now, a reality that has been written on the page of the Bible. When I read the word, I discover my new reality. And, and there's a scripture passage that I think kind of sums it up the best. It's found in 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is our new reality for those who are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I'm a new creation. Who I was, that's gone. All things become new, just as in Deb's testimony. And, you know, I, I want to share this as, as we bring this to a close. Uh, there's a question I just want to pose you. Because you may be going through a circumstance, a situation right now. Maybe you've already professed faith in Jesus. You're living for God. Maybe you've had some setbacks. You've had some challenges. Or maybe you're here today and you've never really encountered Jesus You've never really opened your heart to commit your life to him to receive forgiveness of sin, to receive eternal life. So the question I ask is, is your life being tested? Is your life going through a circumstance, a situation right now that you really don't know how to quite deal with? Well, let me just let you know this much. If your life is being tested, realize your test becomes a testimony. Without a test, there's not really a testimony. And when you give your life to Jesus, he actually transforms your test into testimony, your mess into a message, and your misery into a ministry. He does that for us. And so it's, it's how really you live your life that's a testimony of what you believe about God. It really is. If what you believe about God isn't being demonstrated in your life, then you really don't have a testimony. See, and one thing, and I, I like this to share this, because a testimony, if it's true, cannot be disputed. And if I'm going to come to somebody and I, I, I feel I need to be a witness to them, if I'm going to pound the Bible over them, you know, beat them up with the word, that may not reach them. But the Bible says that our lives are living letters. 
read and known of all men. As we live this life, in fact, you may be the only Bible people read, but your life will inspire them to begin to read the Bible, okay? Let me put it that way. And, and so people may not really care what the Bible says, but they can take notice of your life. And it may give them an interest to begin to look into the Bible. Okay, because they're going to ask questions. And they're going to begin to uh, wonder, okay, what is it about that person that's different? What is it about that person that's unique? And then if they talk to you, then tell them. Invite them to church. Begin to share what God's done in your life. And, and you, you know, can do it in bits and pieces. You know, everyone in this room have a past of some kind. But you also have a present. And we have a hope for our future. And so when I think about my past, I think, thank God that that person doesn't exist anymore. I do thank God for the upbringing that I had in the Catholic Church. Because that's where I got my foundation in Jesus Christ. But for me, I was at a place where I was exploring and wanted to know more about Jesus. And I felt like in an environment like this, that's what drew me to Jesus, was really the people at this church. Because this is the church that I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But the people and how loving they were and how caring they were. And it didn't seem like like they just said it in words because they actually invited me to lunch. <laughs> you know, they spent time with me. I was involved in small groups at that time. Like people invested their life into mine. And so that's part of how we can be a blessing to each other. Thinking that the person that you see sitting next to you, there's an eternal value. It's not just what's happening presently, it's eternally. The people that God sends in your path, you know, they're sending, God's sending them to you for a reason. The person you sit next to at class, that person is next to you for a reason. On an airplane, I always think that. Who's sitting next to us? There's a divine reason that they're sitting next to me. And so, again, when you think about your past, know where you were, know where you are today, and know the future that God has for you. Amen. You know, Deb made her commitment to Christ in the church service. Here at that time, it was Good News Fellowship Church. Um, that was years ago. Since then, we've changed the name. Uh, I made my commitment to Christ when my older brother prayed with me in a one-on-one -on -one encounter. And, and so whether it's in a one-on-one -on -one encounter or in a church service, Jesus wants to meet you right where you're at. And it's, uh, it's important to really be open to what God wants to do in your life. Um, the scripture tells us in 1 John 5.10, Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Think about that. The testimony is in you. If you have the Son, if you've received Jesus, you have the testimony in yourself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar. In other words, the rejection of Jesus, you're calling him a liar when you reject that he hasn't uh, saved you, that hasn't... Uh, reached out to you and given his life for you because he who has not believed in the testimony that God has born concerning the son. See, there's a testimony that we carry as believers 
about the Son of God, Jesus who came and lived his life on this earth, died for our sins, rose again from the grave. And it's realizing that in this place today, we can make a decision. We can make a decision to continue to walk with God and live our life for him. And my question for you is, is your heart set in a divine direction? Is your heart set in a divine direction? Are you going for God, towards God, or are you going away from him? Because our hearts will constantly be pulled by the world away from him. But we need to determine that we're going to go for God. And, you know, we need to make a decision that sticks. And I think with Adam's testimony that you saw in the baptism, he finally made a decision that has stuck. Does he still have challenges and struggles? Oh, yeah, he does. But he's made a decision, and there's no turning back. And that's a decision my challenge is for all of you today. Because sometimes we ride the fence. Maybe you're riding the fence. Maybe you go to church when things are good, things are okay. But then you have your moments where you just flesh out and just do your own thing. But when you come to the place where you give Jesus that eternal yes. Yes, Jesus. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to pick up my cross and follow you. See, I'm not going back to what God delivered me from. I'm not going back to a life of insecurity. Deb is not going back to a life of drugs and addictions that control their life. See, God, we can't ask God to protect us from the enemy we're running to. See, if you're going back to that stuff, that's dangerous. There is power in making the right decision and sticking to it. There really is a quality decision with the determination to follow Jesus and live your life for him. I would like for you to stand in this moment and just to bow your head and I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me and I call it a believer's prayer and I know we have many believers here but maybe you've come in and and you haven't really committed your life to Christ maybe you're kind of still searching and questioning and wondering but I want you to know that God wants to encounter you with his love he's real And he wants you not to have a religion, but to have a relationship with him. That's what drew me in at the age of 17 when I prayed with my brother to accept the Lord. It was realization that I could have a relationship with God. A real relationship. And not just a religion going through do's and don'ts and a bunch of form. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I wanted a relationship. Today, if you hear you say, Pastor Matt, I want a relationship with Jesus. I don't know that my life is right with God. If I were to die today, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. I don't have that assurance. When you believe in him, he gives you that assurance. With every head bowed, and nobody looking around right now, if you lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I know I need to commit my life to Christ. I know I need to give my heart to him. Maybe you're at a place where you need to rededicate your life to him. Just slip up that hand so I can see it. We're going to pray together.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can I see those hands? You can put those hands down. Let's pray this prayer together. Just repeat after me. And, and mean these words from your heart. Embrace them from your own heart. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And I'm in need of a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me. Today, I put my faith in him. I put my trust in him. Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I receive you now. Forgive me for my sins and make my life what you want it to be. Now talk to him in your own words right now. Just talk to him. Say, God, help me. Just communicate with him because he's listening. He's attentive to your words, to your voice, to your prayer. He can hear you right now. Just call out to him, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for every person here. Father, you identify with them exactly where they're at in this very moment. I ask that you meet them, Father, at the point of greatest need, that you begin to unveil your plan, your will, that you begin to show them your goodness, that they would encounter your presence and encounter your love in a very meaningful way. In Jesus' name. We give you praise. Amen. Amen. Well, go ahead and be seated. Uh, for those of you that lifted your hand, and anyone that desires prayer, uh, at the conclusion of the service, we're going to invite the prayer team up here. And the prayer team are people that are caring, they're loving. They will join their faith with you. They will pray with you. And they'll help you maybe with the next step in, in your journey with God. Or maybe... You're a believer and you just have a prayer need and, and uh, you just need somebody to join their faith with you. The prayer team will be here to pray with you. At this time, just to remind you, last week, for those of you that were here, we mentioned that today we would be receiving a special offering for a very special need. And uh, just to let you know, very rarely at Refuge do we receive a second offering in the service. It's only when we have a special need. Uh, that's not necessarily covered through the regular giving and the general tithes and offerings. And so we have one of those moments of a special need. And uh, some of you already know about it. Uh, last year, because of your generosity, we were able to redo the portion of the parking lot in front of the child care center in the church auditorium. Uh, but there yet remains some work that needs to be done on the remaining part of the parking lot. And it's not going to be completely redoing it because the cost of that would be a little beyond our budget and our reach at this time. But to make repairs so that we can get about seven or eight more years out of that parking lot, uh, we are going to be doing some work to seal, to repair cracks and, and uh, places where it's sagging and all that. And, you know, it's a parking lot, but yet... It's important that we have good space in the parking, right? And, and so my challenge to you, and, and I love what Amy shared earlier, and, and we didn't compare notes on this. 
Because I thought about the word opportunity. And I contrast it with the word obligation. And so I want you to see this not as an obligation, but as an opportunity. An opportunity to share, to meet a need. And and what remains on this is I think it's just under 14,000 that's necessary uh, to do the funds. And, and the window of, of opportunity from the people, the contractors that are going to do the work is like this month, this new month of September. And so uh, the challenge today would be by the 15th of this month, if we can raise the remaining dollars to do that, we will give them the go-ahead to do it And because we want to make sure the finances are here so that it can be done. I want to share one brief passage with you in the book of Galatians. And what's interesting in the context of, of this chapter, chapter 6, it's talking about uh, whatever we sow, we shall reap. And so it's talking about the context of giving, receiving. But in verse 10, the context shifts to the household of faith, which this is the household of faith. And, and so it reads, so then we have opportunity. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who have the household of faith. How many times at home is there a need that needs to be addressed in your household and everyone needs to pitch in and do their part. And so that's what we're extending to you, that opportunity to give, to be part of of helping us accomplish what needs to be done in in repairing our parking lot. And so uh, we're going to actually pass the baskets and maybe you're not prepared to give today, but if you want to make a pledge, uh, then you can do that in the offering envelope. But um, or you can do it online or through other avenues that we have behind me on the screen for giving. And so I just think it's wonderful to be part of something that's making a difference. And, and I love this church. And it's not because of the buildings. It's not because of the parking lot. It's because of you, okay? It's because of the people. That's why I love this church. And I'm so honored that God called me to be your pastor. That is such an amazing privilege. Deb and I love you. You know, we're, we're all in, you know, and we have our, our seed in this thing, too. We have our pledge in this thing, too. So we're going to do our part. My challenge to you is for everyone to do their part as well, whatever that may be, however small, however great. Because when everyone does their part, every need is met. And so we want to come back with a testimony yeah, of what God's done. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. So let's pray. And then we will um, receive the special offering. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this time of ministry together. And Father, we know that there's times we need to address things in the natural. Father, because we still live in a physical world that's deteriorating. And Father, we thank you for your provision that comes to the hands of your generous people so that we can address this need, Father, to make the proper repairs on this parking lot. And Father, we make this plea in faith, looking to you and trusting that you will move upon the hearts. We're not begging. We're not manipulating. We're looking to you as a church family. Therefore, we rejoice and we thank you 
for your provision in advance, that this need will be fully met. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the, the host at this time will receive the special offering, and, and let's worship God. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at We Are Refuge. Thank you.